Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Georgia edge rusher Trayvon Walker has become the bell of the ball during the frenzied NFL mock draft season and is now the odds-on favorite to go number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. No one really knows anything, and this could prove to be a franchise-saving selection or a monumental mistake. Independent of results, it is interesting to consider if the explosion of draft-related content and its ascendance to a marquee event has resulted in more teams trying to prove they're the smartest war room in the bunker. That discussion can wait for another day, though, because the most important part of the new expected order is that it would allow Aiden Hutchinson to be there for the Detroit Lions. And folks, let me tell you that it would be a gigantic missed opportunity if the organization doesn't already have his name written on the draft card, laminated for preservation, and ready to be rushed to Commissioner Roger Goodell as soon as legally allowed. Tapping Hutchinson to be the defensive captain for the next several years, hopefully dovetailing with some sort of competitive respectability for once, simply makes too much sense not to happen. Born in nearby Dearborn, he was a standout for Divine Child before putting up an exemplary career at Michigan. A local sports star making good in the only area code he's ever known is a quaint story and certainly not the only way to find success. But in this specific case, both player and franchise would find their souls counterbalance. Got that from Wedding Crashers. Good movie. No organization embraces blue-collar cosplay or actual blue-collar work ethic like the Lions. They are the Ford Assembly plant of football teams. Dan Campbell has done nothing but deepen this ethos in his short time here. Hutchinson is seen as that J.J. Watt type the consummate worker who is going to roll up his sleeves and be a grinder. And look, some or all of this could be nonsense. It's still the best path forward. Why? Well, first off and most importantly, Hutchinson will be an immediate impact player. He'll increase excitement among the fan base. Campbell can deepen his imprint on the project and make a statement about the way forward. When you talk to those around the team, they almost universally praise the man-child coach for building out a staff and support system that wants to work for him. This is not nothing. And having a marquee player who can become an extension on the field and build the new culture would be invaluable. I realize that this entire take feels like it's coming from someone with a very simple, smooth brain, yet I really believe this is the play. An oversimplification, maybe, and not a one-size-fits-all strategy. These Lions have done nothing of consequence for 60 years. They've employed all manner of plans to no avail. The simplest, 
most obvious one is just crazy enough to work. Let's get this guy his badge as soon as humanly possible. The Brooklyn Nets are on life support and on the brink of elimination as they failed to conjure the required level of moxie and execution against Boston for a third consecutive game on Saturday night. To preserve the season, all Steve Nash's unit needs to do is become the only team in NBA history to overcome a 3-0 series deficit. Then figure out how to do it in the next round, and the round after that, and then the round after that. Then they'll be champions. All of those lofty expectations can still be realized. Right now, Vegas will give you 40 to 1 odds on that prospect if you're looking to live extremely dangerously and extremely recklessly. After looking like themselves in the opener, which ended in last second defeat, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been husks in the 96 minutes since. The former is 10 for 28 over that stretch. Well, the latter has gone 10 for 30 for a grand total of 26 points without a single three-pointer. Both superstars appear to have been zapped by the Monstars and are competing to most accurately replicate LeBron James' deer-in-the-headlights vibe from the 2011 NBA Finals. Simply put, things are truly bleak, and everyone knows it. There will be plenty of time for the postmortem when the exit is official. In the interim, Irving is wondering who could possibly be responsible for this. After the game on Saturday, he said, we're all trying to gel and usually you're gelling around the right time. And that team in the other locker room is gelling at the right time, been gelling since Christmas. We're just in a new experience as a group and we have to respect that. I don't have a lot of answers for how you make up time from October until now, Irving continued, when teams would be gelling and playing good, you know, you could put it on me in terms of playing better, controlling the game better, controlling our possessions, not turning the ball over as much. Now, piling on is a cottage industry when athletes fail, and there's very little the mercurial point guard could say that is going to change reality or even perception. At the same time, how does this series of words escape his lips without the hint of irony? The major reason Brooklyn hasn't had time to gel is Kyrie's refusal to get vaccinated, a decision that prevented him from playing any games at all until January 5th and any home games until March 29th. He sounds like the hot dog guy from I Think You Should Leave, only he's not selling it nearly as hard. His prolonged absences assured a lack of cohesion in addition to forcing the Nets to play a team of the Celtics caliber in the opening round. As bad as Duran is playing, He's been the one constant in this failed experiment of a super team who is fully committed. One can only imagine how internally frustrated he is with his philosopher poet running mate right about now. Irving is pondering the mysteries of the world, big and small, so one can understand why he's a bit perplexed. There's a lot on his plate. Those of us without the burden of a massive global brain can help him out getting to the bottom of this one by simply handing him a mirror. On those Brooklyn Nets, my coworker Stephen Douglas weighs in with this missive. Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets are on the verge of getting swept in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs by the Boston Celtics. However many games the Nets need to lose this series, it will go down as another wasted and disappointing season for Durant 
who averaged 29.9 points, 7.4 rebounds, and a career-high 6.4 assists this season. Coming off a particularly bad 16-8-8 in Game 3, Charles Barkley basically questioned Durant's entire legacy. All of these bus riders, they don't mean nothing to me, said Barkley. If you ain't driving the bus, don't walk around talking about you a champion. If you're riding the bus, I don't want to hear it. Come on, Shaq, tell them. All these guys walk around with these championship rings. Hey, y'all bus riders, but let me tell you something. When you're the bus driver and you've got all the pressure when you have to play well or you're going to get the blame, that's a different animal. Kenny Smith, seated on stage next to Barkley for TNT, who in this metaphor would definitely qualify as a bus rider, tried to stick up for the other passengers. Barkley then doubled down, saying those players were just on the bus. Keep in mind, this is a discussion about two-time champion Kevin Durant, who has at times throughout the last decade or so been considered the best basketball player alive. There's just so much wrong with this mentality. It absolutely has to be something Barkley was stumbling through on the fly because stopping to think about it for even a few minutes would make it incredibly dumb. Barkley is just becoming the thing he hates. Skip Bayless weighed in, tweeting, I picked Memphis to win the West, and I do not like my pick. I banked on Ja, and he's turning into Ja Durant. Ja Durant. Nice. A Kevin Durant comparison is now an insult. That gets two exclamation marks. In 2017, Durant scored 35 points per game in the finals with terrific shooting percentages, 55, 47, 92. If he wasn't driving the bus, it's because he was eviscerating the team that beat the Warriors in the finals the previous year, while LeBron James averaged a 33 points per game triple-double. Other bus riders in this scenario include Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andre Iguodala. What Barkley is doing here is not only an insult to himself as someone who never won a ring, but it discounts almost every championship ring ever won. If Kevin Durant's rings don't count, then Scottie Pippen's don't either. If Pippen's don't, then how many of Magic Johnson's do since he was playing with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Do Shaq's not count because of Kobe and Dwayne Wade? Or do Kobe and Dwayne Wade's not count because of Shaq? Do you hear how dumb this is? Who is this argument for besides Shaq, who almost certainly would have referred to himself as the big bus driver if this conversation continued for another three minutes? Kenny Smith won two championship rings, and they most definitely count. Smith started all 45 postseason games the Rockets played in 1994 and 1995. No, he wasn't Akeem Olajuwon, but would he have won those rings if Kenny Smith wasn't there playing 30 minutes every single night? Olajuwon never won a single ring until Smith, Vernon Maxwell, Robert Ory, and Sam Cassell got on the bus, and he never won after they got off at their stops either. The ultimate goal in the NBA is to win a championship. Only one team gets to do that every year. One out of 30. Not everyone gets to be the star of the winning team. If winning without being the star doesn't matter, then why should anyone care enough to help the star win? And why did Barkley join Elijah Wan's Rockets if the ring wouldn't have counted anyway? I guess my point is that we should stop tearing each other down to feel taller. Public transportation is a great thing, and the bus driver should be thanked. But without the passengers, he also wouldn't have a job.
Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show, presented by the big lead. The Phoenix Suns are in trouble. They just realized there is a bee in the car. They are hoping they do not get stung. Don't let anybody tell you that they are not afraid, that they are not terrified, that they just realized they are not in control anymore. A pair of rookies, Herb Jones, who was jumping around like the goddamn rocketeer last night, blocking shots 14 feet off the ground, ascending to new heights like an octopus, hand on all the loose balls, just a force as a rookie, went right at Paul. Gamesmanship. Jose Alvarado, the sneakiest and most frustrating and most aggravating player who plays clean. He is not a Grayson Allen type. He does it just by being a pest with this tenacious, pernicious defense. He was all over Paul. Now, there could be some issues with the refereeing, and I would expect that the whistle is going to even up as the series progresses, as it goes back to Phoenix for a pivotal game five. But there is a fight going on And I don't think we can say right now who the victor is going to be. I'm getting very strong vibes. This is a one versus eight matchup. Changed a bit, obviously, due to Devin Booker's injury. But this reminds me a lot of the Dallas Mavericks Golden State series where the Warriors just came out and played fearlessly and took down the highly favored Mavericks. Chris Paul, the savvy veteran, the guy who knows all the tricks, who has succeeded for decades upon decades at getting under the skin of opposing players is now finding out that turnabout is fair play. And I, for one, could not love it anymore. And it's nothing against Chris Paul because I have all the respect in the world for what he's been able to do at his size with his skill set. I love how he is a force on the floor that he totally changes the makeup, that he's in ultimate control. But what do you do when you're facing someone like this? You don't run away from the smoke. You run right at it. You confront it head on. If Chris Paul wants to put on a circus, then you jump in the ring and you put your head right in the lion's mouth and see how the lion reacts. And in this case, the lion did not react very well. An atrocious game from Paul, only four points, should have been kicked out of the game by a frustration foul. I tweeted that he was going to do something by the end of the series that lost him the State Farm spokesmanship, and that's a bit extreme. But honestly, if things go poorly in the next two games, this is going to get so chippy. And I love it. These storylines coming out of nowhere. Raise your hand if before this series started, You are deep in the Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado Wikipedia that you knew all the tricks of their trade, that you understood the unique brand of defense and heart they brought to the table as young players, as first-year players in a league where deference is always given to the veterans. It is so fun to discover these people, to watch what they do, to delight in what they do, to loathe what they do if you're a Phoenix Suns fan. And I have to say, at this point, it is a toss-up. 
and what a testament this is to the depth of talent in the NBA. We've talked about it many times before. Throw a dart at a series and you have these young players who are putting forth the first chapters in what could be extraordinary careers. It highlights just how damn hard it is to win a championship and renders a lot of the rings talk completely meaningless and completely stupid. Because if this is a first round matchup, imagine what the Suns are going to have to get through if they want to reach that high mark of a championship, the first in franchise history. You got to fight like hell to earn everything. And the aggressor is usually rewarded, especially at home. There's something so magical when moments like this happen. When you're watching a game, you don't really have any expectations. You're you're curious if the Pelicans can make it a six-game series, a seven-game series, at least make the Suns feel uncomfortable. Then, in a split second, you realize, okay, Batman is no longer in control here. The Joker has taken over and they don't care about public perception and they have turned Gotham city into a riot smoke filled streets. Can't tell which way is up. The usual rules of engagement have been set aside. It just doesn't get any better than that. When you see something happen, how quickly this can happen, how severely momentum can shift, how the whole narrative and vibe can immediately be transformed through the simple act of playing defense for 94 feet. It's truly incredible. Chris Paul is going to come out in game five, and he has the potential to put forth the best career game he's ever had. I would not be shocked if he scores 40, but either way, the viewer wins. The viewer wins if the Pelicans are game and spry and put the Suns on the brink of elimination. The viewer also wins if Chris Paul puts forth a performance for the ages. And then there's that guy, Zion Williamson, who is not looking the trimmest on the bench, but let's get a little crazy here. Let's say the Pels do pull off this upset and advance to the second round and let's say zion's health which allows him to do spectacular highlight dunks when he's not playing basketball actually facilitates him playing competitive ball what's the ceiling for this new orleans team now obviously there are some more complete teams in the western conference no doubt but throw zion a productive scoring threat physicality down low, if he's able to bring the same type of intensity and energy that his teammates are putting forth in his absence, we could be looking at something truly special here. For one night, the Pelicans looked like world beaters. They looked like the most irritating force on earth. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Quick thought on Ben Simmons here, and I think I'm out of thoughts. The guy's a fraud. He's a phony. He's a paper tiger. He's soft. He has no spine. He uses all the excuses in the world. 
He's not mentally tough. He's not physically tough. He's not a competitor. He's a quitter. He's a loser. He will never be a productive NBA player. In fact, here's a hot take for you. I wouldn't be shocked if we have seen the last of Ben Simmons playing basketball. And you might think, hey, Kyle, that's pretty crazy. Ben Simmons is not going to retire at the age of 25. And to that, I would say, you know what? You're probably right. But what have you seen in the last year that makes you think he wants to play basketball? What have you seen that makes you think he's capable of playing basketball? What have you seen that suggests he's going to come back and work hard for the money? What have you seen that makes you think he's ever going to be a good teammate? What have you seen that makes you think he's interested in playing NBA basketball and not just getting the perks of being an NBA player? Because I haven't seen anything. Nothing. Zilch. Zip. Nada. A big donut in the productivity department. A big empty. A non-factor. Ephemeral dust in the wind. The nothing. From Never Ending Story, you get the picture. What do we do with this guy? I'm dead serious. What do we do with this guy? Because last year, when he was talking about mental health, we all wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think that good people everywhere can understand the unique challenges that he faced, that people at that high profile of a job and gig encounter every single day, how it would break most of us, how we're not cut out for it, how we couldn't cope. But that doesn't mean Simmons gets a free pass. To get the benefit of the doubt, you actually have to do something to earn the benefit of the doubt. And if he's going to be handsomely rewarded for playing competitive basketball, he needs to play competitive basketball. A wise scholar named Don Draper once said, that's what the money's for. The money is for playing basketball, helping your team on the court. The money is not so you can set timelines that you don't meet. The money is not for giving false hope. The money is not for dressing like a character from Doug and sitting courtside. The money is not for doing one-on-zero drills or throwing down a cool dunk in front of reporters. If the tide hasn't turned on Simmons by now, and I think that it has largely, it never will. Because even his staunchest defenders have to sit here at some point and say, what am I defending? What is the principle I'm standing behind? Yes, humanity is a powerful force and we should embrace it. And we should encourage everybody to extend humanity to others. But maybe it's not that complicated. Maybe Ben Simmons just doesn't have it. He quit in college. He's quit in the NBA. When the going gets tough, he gets going. 
going away, not playing, retreating to his reclusive habitat in his cocoon where nothing can hurt him, where he doesn't have to put it on the line, where he is never the man in the arena. He is always the man sitting courtside in the arena, doing nothing, doing the same thing everybody else is doing at home. The difference being he's making over $40 million a year to sit there. Now, his outfits are cool. I'll give him that. He's a sharp dresser. But the last time I checked, a great fit does not show up in the box score. You have to wonder about Daryl Morey and if he just knew that this is how it was always going to end for Simmons. He would know. We are going to get an unbelievable expose. We are going to get deeply reported pieces about just what happened with Simmons in the year his brain and body broke. And they're going to be salacious. They're going to make him look even worse. There are going to be so few people that want to defend him on the record, let alone off the record. And it's going to confirm all our priors and it's going to confirm all of our suspicions. So where does he go from here? Where can he go from here? The only thing that he can do to save face, to resurrect a career, is the thing he refuses to do. And that's to shut up and play. And that's to work through obstacles. It's to do the hard thing. I think Maury looked into the guy's soul and knew that he was done. I think he pulled off the fleecing of the year in trading for James Harden. I think that everybody on that Nets team knows what they have in Simmons. I think once they're eliminated, the chatter is going to get louder and it's going to get uglier. So maybe I'm crazy. Maybe Simmons returns next year, scores 22 points a game, and is an elite defender who can go one through five. Maybe I'm right, though. Maybe Ben Simmons is done. And everybody just doesn't want to be the first to say it. So I will. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.